May I ask your name? Yetta. Yetta, a beautiful name. Yetta, my name is Miss Robertson. I'm from the social welfare office of the hospital. I need your help right now to explain something to your mother. This is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 40 for the week of August 11th, 2014. I am sad orphan David T. Cole, and I'm here with eccentric pulse Sarah D. Bunting. Sassy nun Tara Arietta. You are an attractive ambulance driver. And cocaine addicted surgeon Alan Seppenwall. Just give me a minute to take off these nifty white leather boots. <laughs> uh, welcome, Alan Seppenwall from the Garden State. And uh, Sarah went to extra lengths to make this happen today. Thank you, Sarah. Of course. We're here in the beautiful Hitfix East Coast Auxiliary offices. It is indeed beautiful. The coffee was free. If you haven't heard of Alan Seppenwall, you obviously do not read the internet or like TV because um, he is great. And uh, Sarah, you uh, picked up all your uh, equipment and you uh, drove it uh, cross state, cross boundaries, cross borders. Yep. Put it on a skateboard, yeah. towed it behind the smart car, <laughs> went back to my uh, hometown, and here we are in God's Little Acre. And uh, some background. You guys have been friends for a long time. You've known each other uh did you meet in your hometown, or you just kind of figured out that you were? Both? No, we met actually recording um, a commentary track for for Twop that wound up never running. We did one for a, a Sopranos episode, right? Yes, it was for Pine Barrens. We were all crammed into my brother's little loft recording studio on Union Street in Brooklyn, and um, yeah, so that never went anywhere. But that was, but we'd known each other before that. We just never. Yes, before. yeah, we we known each other online, but you know, meeting people in person always nice and special. Aw. <laughs> guys all right so let's get into it shall we we uh have the nick to talk about and uh well let's just listen to the music and try to talk about it shall we Ooh. that's not the real music from the show though isn't it is it yes yeah it is, it is. it's really this yeah. is he's going he's leaving the whorehouse getting in the horse-drawn carriage to you know yeah go to the hospital. this is this tangerine dream foolishness that's going on <laughs> so i like to uh I, I didn't check the credits but we sure uh, couple skate in hell john john carpenter didn't uh, uh score it's this Cliff martinez who does a lot of uh steven soderbergh scores and also did the score for drive which is what the sounds most like oh yeah. Uh, yeah i don't i don't dislike it but it was very jarring in the first uh, few minutes of this show to uh, hear this music. But I, I gotta say this, he's got the horsey thing going because every time I hear this music, <laughs> right now I'm doing the little Monty Python coconut horsey he's thing. He's bouncing right up and down at his standing desk <laughs> listening to this music. Anyways. Uh, so what do you guys think, the Nick? I think Alan has seen more Nick than we have. I've seen seven episodes of the Nick, so I'm... He you made know, I'm... sure we all knew that. We only saw one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, no, I mean, I like the show. It's I, I didn't love the first episode, and it's one that kind of took a while to build on me because, you know, you hear Steven Soderbergh is doing a show where he's going to direct all ten episodes, and you think, oh, my God, this must be mind-blowing. And I think it's pretty good, but it's really just it's ER in the year 1900 with Clive Owen shooting a lot of cocaine into his toes and other places that we won't talk about. We can but talk, we'll talk about, about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, I, I think it, it, it gets better as it goes along. It's still, I don't know that it, it ever became a great show for me, but by the time I got to the seventh, I was really glad I, I had watched it up until then. Well, the, here's my issue with it. It's that the barrier to entry for me, because our household does not get Skinamax um, or Nicamax or whatever we're supposed to call it now. Um, so I'm not necessarily going to like join the network in order to in order to watch this. So it needed to be like it needed to be compelling enough for me to add that to my cable service. And it wasn't quite there because there was a lot of stuff I felt like I had seen before in other shows. I bet there are probably ways you could continue to watch it even if you didn't get Cinemax. I hear. I would never. I, I hear. Thanks. I totally would, but I don't know if I'm going to bother. That's the thing. I don't know if I want to get on a plane to Cinemakistan <laughs> and through methods it um, because it really Wink. was kind of a 1900 house like 1900 house house. Right, <laughs> right. Yes. And I'm not like, I liked house. Mm-hmm. Well, one was enough. I'm not sure... The set design, and as much as I love Sassy Nun, I don't know. What do you guys, if you guys had to go to extraordinarily lengths, extraordinary lengths to get it, would you? Uh, I mean, the lengths that we would go to are not that extraordinary. Even I know how to go there now. Um, but we do get Cinemax, which I, I mean, I don't know, even know why now that other than that this has happened to start because we've never watched any other original Cinemax show ever. I mean, I hear people really like Banshee. I've never seen it. I never watched that show Brotherhood. I suppose they've probably had other original shows. Those are the only two that I can think of before this. Alan? Uh, Brotherhood, I think, was Showtime. Strike Back oh. is their other one, which is awesome. Right. So oh. it's it's right up David T. Cole's alley in terms of like ass-kicking 80s-style mayhem, but hmm. really well done. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I think I've... Um... Uh, people walking away from explosions. We got that kind of show. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. And and cracking wise, there are occasionally freeze frames after they high five that sort of thing. Well, since we are legit Cinemax subscribers, I think that means we're entitled to Cinemax Go. So we could maybe I was about to Max say Go. Cinemax Go, which is the you know Cinemax version of HBO Go, in which HBO said, eh, if you guys end up sharing your passwords with your friends, uh, we're not <laughs> that worried about it. So maybe that's your through methods, people. If you uh, yeah. don't get Cinemax, uh, you know, mooch off a friend. Who does? To watch I, I liked it well enough. I mean, I thought the I commented in my first post about it that seeing a girl's boobs and Merkin in the first fifteen seconds of the show is maybe the fastest gratuitous Merkin boobs shot in all of premium cable history, perhaps. And That's- why is he even there? It's legal. Does he just like the couch at the Opium Den? Like, I don't get why he's there. Did I miss something? Um. Well, cocaine is. I mean, I guess. He would have his uh, access to it, but I thought he was coming down in the opium den. Oh, from okay. his high of the cocaine. He should have just had one of those original cocaine Coca Colas. Mmm, refreshing. <laughs> it's the refreshing high. Here's my problem with that: is um, I am so sick of lead characters with uh, drug issues. It is very expected. Uh, I just, yep. I just, I'm done with it. Let's let's do something else. Let's figure something else out that makes them damage goods because the drug thing we're kind of done. We have a whole series, Nurse Jackie, that is just that, and I feel like that is such a central point to that show that it sort of put a period on it for a while. You know, that was, let's put it in the Disney vault of, of <laughs> drug addict shows. And, well, uh, well, and combined with the period pieces, knowing like wink, wink about what we don't know yet, quote mm-hmm. unquote, which they didn't, they didn't, they weren't consistent with because I feel like everyone in the room when Yetta announced that she had to go to her factory job was like, 
Oh, like, I don't think anyone necessarily would have even noticed that back then. Not that that's a good thing. I'm just saying. Yeah. What did you guys think of the the opening uh, surgical amphitheater scene? Uh, I had to watch that through... Uh, vented fingers. It was. It was. You. Terrible. You should have just focused on Matt Frewer's awesome beard the whole time. I, because I that had my awesome. eyes closed and I was imagining it as he sensually dipped it into <laughs> his bowl of whatever yeah. disinfectant. I, I think Uh-oh. it was probably just water. Okay, I like to think it was barbicide. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's graphic, and this is you know uh, I'm not tr- going to try to spend not too much of the segment boasting about having seen more, but. It's going to get more graphic if you guys keep no. watching. There's a lot of just like, I'm going to put the camera right on this person who is missing a an important body part, and you're going to look at that for a really long time. Yikes. Yeah, it is literally visceral. It is just disgusting. And it, because it's clinical, it makes it worse. Like, there's something about, you know, an 80s, speaking about 80s action films, where the guy is, like, holding his own intestines after getting blown up by a grenade that's, like, cartoonish. But in this setting, it's so much worse, and it's just, whoa, just gives me well, the, the heebie-jeebies. What's really striking, too, is that, like, for all the other um, procedures that have become arthroscopic, and they can just send a little camera in there and then send you home two hours later, um, the cesarean is still the same basic horrible geometry of, mm-hmm. like, having to cut a lady pretty much in half. Yep. Because the baby has not gotten any smaller. Like, you can put as many <laughs> mini cameras in there as yeah. you want— baby's got to come out uh, i mean so, we we in 2014 know two ladies who almost died in childbirth like yeah. in re- within recent years right. so it's still a pretty hairy operation it gave me prometheus flashbacks Ugh, yeah. that scene in prometheus which yeah. you know the movie was whatever but that scene was 100 <laughs> uh-huh. percent pure horror it was just <laughs> just terrible and it i was reminded of the gross like just how dirty it was in the va hospital and born on the fourth of july like yes. when they're changing the blood like the bottles that are filling up and it's like what is even the point like i, I mean last night on botched i saw a lady who got MRSA in her tummy tuck so you know <laughs> we can't get that smug about how far medical science has come is all i'm saying <laughs> I have a question for you, Alan, since you uh, have seen seven episodes. How many? Seven. Seven. (laughs) Screener privilege. Um, Dick. (laughs) So, um, you know, because this is, they have a pretty wide cast of characters. um, How quickly, he says, knocks on wood, do we sort of uh, lose the focus on Clive Owen's character and start to um, expand, you know, um, the characters that we're looking at in the show? Um, fairly quickly, there's yeah. a lot, as you might expect, uh, about the Andre Helen, the Black Doctor character, yeah. struggling to adjust. And they, it's a weird sort of balance where it's like you want to be um, have historical fidelity to the fact that this is a really racist period, but you don't want to spend the entire season with everyone just being assholes to him. Right. Um, so they, they they juggle that well enough, and it eventually gets to a really good place and a really interesting place. They do a lot uh, with the ambulance driver, Cleary, who I liked, and the nun, where the, the two of them interact a lot. So there's some of that. There's some of the the blonde woman, Cornelia, who's on the hospital board, and she gets involved with a lot of cases. So some of the characters become good. There's others I could really do without, like the the hospital administrator with the glasses, who you're going to learn an awful lot about his personal life Mm. as time goes on. Uh, So about the ambulance driver and the nun, in what episode do they start uh, knickerbocking? (laughs) So we're going to fall in love. And uh, so what is that? Like three or four, Alan? Spoilers. <laughs> okay. That's 
I will just say it's a lot more complicated than what you're thinking it is. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. So Clive Owen's tiny mustache, uh, bon- <laughs> boner side or not? Hmm. Not really. No? Still, still, still highly would. doable? Uh, yeah, I still would. Okay. Sarah. Sarah. Um, the mustache was not the lady boner oh. killer. It's was the it boots? the shoes? It the was the, the cocaine that oh. I kind of was oh. like, you know. <laughs> and then they don't even show. I was like, well, boo. Okay. Nope. Uh, does Meek Nurse get interesting, Alan? Yes, she does. That is Bono's daughter, by the way. I know. Yeah. Yes, Eve Houston, I believe, is her name. It is. She gets more to do. The the Kentucky accent never really gets any better than it is in this one. But she, eventually, by the time you get to episode seven, because I've seen seven episodes, um, you start to realize, oh, okay, maybe (laughs) I see what Steven Soderbergh saw here besides a chance to get free U2 tickets for the rest of his life. I thought she was good and enough said. She was, um, she played James Gandolfini's daughter in that movie. I thought she was, she was good in that. Oh, yeah, I didn't even recognize Doing a regular American accent, not particularly regional. Yeah, I think I'm going to keep watching. Um, mm-hmm. I'm kind of a sucker for this time period. I don't know. I just I just love uh, anytime you can stick an old advertising sign on a brick wall <laughs> that I can kind of think. You know, what? I was That's totally a, thinking that about that, it when I was watching. Yeah, I mean that's today's ghost sign. Cold nip. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, same kind of reason I stuck with. Uh, Boardwalk Empire for as long as I did, even though I think that show never reached its potential. Mm -hmm. But I'm just kind of a sucker for anything from like uh, the aughts through to the 40s. I just kind of it is it is Dave Nip. Um, Yeah, the stuff we're watching right now is very like um, aspirational office porn for me and Dave separately, where mm -hmm. Dave has the Nick. I like the gentleman's studies part of it and tar i like the, the white clinical... stark austerity of yeah. mina sharp's office at massive <laughs> dynamic and, and while we've been doing our fringe rewatch yeah yeah, Sarah, yeah I mean, it does feel a little bit like soderbergh you know maybe hasn't watched a whole ton of modern tv and is thinking "Ooh, this is going to be so exciting and it's really not <laughs> well and the rich benefactor threatening to pull major upgrades is also something we saw on house with chai mcbride so i don't know i mean that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it again there's only so many stories blah blah, blah but right. i wasn't i kind of was like uh, is everything going to be recycled from Princeton Plainsboro? Or, I mean, if we can't get it behind the candelabra full length series, I guess this is a good enough substitution. Sarah, <laughs> if a Max Go ha- password happened to come your way, would you continue to watch? Then I would continue to watch. Yes, good to know. Maybe Guys, it will. Who's to say? We figured it out. It's a crazy, it. crazy world. <laughs> All of us together, we saved the Nick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and uh, now a word from the up coming game time spend a day with christy brinkley on the next maury <laughs> oh jesus what? tonight on hard copy irs agents caught on tape the agents claimed this businessman threatened them and they had to throw him in jail it's really a, a horrible experience horrible but the surveillance tape tells a different story. And now the businessman is turning the tables on the tax man. IRS. I got you. <laughs> Good right. one, Chet. And now it is time for Olivia Kwan, our six-year-old correspondent, to catch up, us up on the latest face-off. So we just finished watching the third episode of Face Off. Yep. Do you like? Do you still like the show? Yes. Okay, good. 
Um, can you describe this week's challenge for me? They were making aliens. Just aliens? Could they pick any alien? No. What did they have to do? <laughs> they had to choose a background of lots of... And the background was like a kind of like lots of buildings background. Buildings, yeah. Like ancient architecture is what they described it as? Yeah. Do you remember what architecture is? No. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Me neither. All right. Do you know who the winner was? Stella. And she had jewels all over her creature. The creature was leaning over uh-huh. with her dress, short dress. Mm-hmm. She had jewels on her neck that looked kind of like a necklace and then like treasures on top with her hair and all over her face. Okay. Uh, do you remember what the ancient architecture was that went with that one? Pyramid of the Sun? I don't actually remember, so I'm going to test you. <laughs> Good job, Leah. With the sun. Okay, something with the sun. And do you remember, do you remember who the loser was? Gwen. She, her chest part keep, kept on falling apart, and she needed this chest part. It was the thing about her alien. Yeah, and so she lost because the chest wasn't very good? Yeah, and she worked so three hours or something doing the chest, (laughs) and then she just covered it. How about you just let the chest be and then cover those parts that they're going to be seeing and then leave the rest and cover that part. Yeah, that makes sense. When you're on face-off, that's what you can do if something goes wrong. I may not even be on face-off. <laughs> um, yeah, and Mom. one more thing. There was, do you remember Mr. Westmore? He's the one who comes in and gives the tips. And yeah. he came in and he asked one person to change their alien. What did you think when that happened? I think it was really tough for it, just like Gwen. Yeah? Do you remember yeah. his name? Doc. Yes. Just like in Snow White. You're right. <laughs> well, thank you very much for telling us all about Face Off this week, Liv. You're welcome. And we'll see you again next week. See you again next Wednesday. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. Aww. <laughs> All right, everybody, it's time for Around the Dial. All right, everybody's going to bring a TV show they've been watching to the table, and we're going to throw it to Alan. What do you got? Um, Stars had their own historical drama debut over the weekend. That was Outlander. It's based on, apparently, the series of popular... I don't want to call them romance novels because the fans of them get very uptight (laughs) if you refer to them as romance novels, even though there's... Romance and historical and all sorts of things, but it's a nurse from World War II, England, travels back in time to Scotland in the 1740s, where she may or may not be romanced by a really handsome Scottish guy in a kilt, and gets mixed up with the the local Scottish laird and the British soldiers there, and is trying to get back to the present day for her, but, you know, learns more and more about the culture as it goes, and it's adapted by Ronald D. Moore, who did Battlestar Galactica, which is the main reason I sampled it, despite... All of those different elements not really being my jam, and I kind of liked it. And uh, you have to remember to call it Utlander. <laughs> and how my many episodes? Is not very good. And, and how many episodes of this have you seen? Uh, in this case, Dave, I've seen six episodes. Only six. Not not quite Nick. Who's pissed off the stars, yeah. Alan? Jeez. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I, 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 everybody who's into it seems to be really into it. Even Tara watched this show. I haven't actually watched it yet. I saw a promo for it, and then I recorded it. <laughs> oh, okay. And you recorded it. Why exactly? Do you remember what? the promo was kind of sexy. Yeah. I'm not made of stone. No. <laughs> and also, our commentator, Matt Debenham, wrote a very convincing post about it, um, which went up on last Friday. So I invite everybody to check it out on Previously.TV, and he will be covering the show this season. Yeah. That was fairly convincing, actually. I never would have even considered it. And then I was like, okay, I won't run from a room in which it's being watched anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Baby first steps. episode's a little slow. There, there's kind of a, when are we going to get to the fireworks factory of it? Because it's like almost 40 minutes until she travels back in time. So there's right. a lot of her and her husband in the 40s just going on a vacation or whatever. But once it gets going, it goes very well, and I was really into it, and it doesn't try to just push the Harlequin romance aspect of it too hard. There's obviously chemistry there. You know, good-looking actor, good-looking actress, and just some interesting cultural stuff, and, you know, very, very entertaining accents. Well, something Matt pointed out, too, was that you know, normally in a situation like this, there would be like one good guy and one shitty guy. <laughs> and in this case, both of them seem like equally viable options, which actually, I mean, I think the way he described it is the show treats us all like grownups, which I, I, appreci- I appreciate that. Would you agree with that that is the case? Mostly, except the thing is her husband in the 1940s has an exact lookalike uh, ancestor who's a red coat and he's a complete dick. Oh, no. Yes. Is he's that just Tobias a complete Menzies? monster. So the fact that he has her husband's face starts to tilt things in the direction of the hunky guy in the kilt. Gotcha. That's Tobias Menzies, right? From Rome? Yes. And he's really good as the red coat and less good as the husband. The husband's kind of boring, but overall, he's a good guy. It's like they don't try to dump on him before she goes back. And the smart thing they do is they kind of recognize that he's not going to be as glamorous as the Scotsman. So instead, they also make it about the fact that she's a very independent woman for the 1940s mm-hmm. and therefore wants no part of being in the 1740s and needs to get back as quickly as she possibly can. Well, it sounds very compelling. I'm into it. So they're going to take a second stab at a Dirk Gently TV series. Uh, they tried one a few years ago with, what's his name from episodes, Tara? The guy? Stephen Mangan. Yeah, he played Dirk Gently. This is a couple novels that uh, Douglas Adams wrote, which are uh, my favorite of his books. Um, I like them more than uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, Dave, do you understand the plots of the books, though? I read them back when I was in my Hitchhiker's phase, around 12 or 13, and I really enjoyed them even as I had no idea what the hell was going on with all the time travel. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I've read them a few times, so I I can't remember how much I grokked it on first read, but yeah, I do get it. And, you know, like all of Douglas Adams' books, they are written backwards. You know, like he writes the the end and sort of expands it back in time and so you know when you read it forwards it sort of is this uh reverse family tree that all kind kind of comes down to adam and eve in the end um and i got him and i loved him the first one is very bizarre uh just sort of like a, a lot of everyday events and how they all connect including a sofa he can't remove from his stairwell stairwell uh a lost Pivot. cat and all this sort of stuff. And um, the um, second one um, is all about uh, Norse gods and how they uh, operate in the real world. It has a lot of in common with actually American gods. Um, it shares sort of uh, ancient power is defined by how many people still believe in the gods these days and all that kind of stuff. But whereas American gods is, you know, is what it is. This one is it's quite humorous. Um, the first series not so great i didn't think they nailed the tone at all and they're kind of like dark comedy and 
the first BBC version was kind of goofy. This time around, they've hired uh, Max Landis, who wrote the screenplay for Chronicle, which I thought actually shares quite a bit in common. Yeah, I mean, like, Chronicle at the end was pretty dark, but, you know, you take the movie as a whole, and it it, it had a lot of light moments, I think, that I think he understands what this series is all about, so I'm pretty hopeful. Um, The way he he said it, and I like this quote, is... um, uh, in the current TV space, um, Dirk Gently fits uh, ridiculously well. Imagine a playground where he can come up with any mystery, no matter how improbable, convoluted, or totally insane. And then simply by finding the right connections, you could tie it all down to one man, one private eye. And that's sort of what the books are about. And um, I am glad that this is getting a second life so so soon after the first failed one, because it's a great series, and uh, I think it deserves to be on TV. And I think if they can... Uh, get a good guy in there to expand the series, you know, like um, new stories. Um, it has a real chance of being kind of up there, you know, with kind of Doctor Who and Sherlock kind of stuff if they if they nail it right. Dave, have they cast it yet? No. Who would be your dream casting? Oh for gosh, for Dirk Gently, I don't know. I mean, in the book, they don't really, I, I, for no reason in the book, but I kind of pictured like an Indian actor, like like huh. a, like an English Indian guy. Yeah. Um, hmm. And uh, so like Dev Patel, yeah, something like that. That's interesting. Yeah, I, but they can go anywhere with that character. Or um, who is the guy, Mister Barbara Hershey? I don't know. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah from, Lost. from Lost. Oh, um, oh, uh, that guy. Yeah, right. Saeed? Yeah, 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 yeah. Na- Na- Naveen and- Andrews. Andrews. Yes, yeah. thank you. Yeah, he'd be good too. I mean, there's no reason he's why he's very attractive and never gets anything really good to do. Like he it's keeps true. showing up, and then yeah. like it'll be a guest spot or. It's dumb, so yeah. I'd like to, for, for him to get something good to do. Yeah. Plus, he has the same hair as Stephen Mangan, so they've got that going, too. <laughs> if he, and if you haven't read the books, go read them. The first one's called Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, and the second one is called The Long, Dark Tea Time of the Soul. And now we throw it to Sarah. Speaking of books, um, I am here with a review of sorts of Joss Whedon, the biography, um, which took its sweet time showing up, Amazon Prime. Um, (laughs) But I don't know if anyone else here has read it or seen it um, or cares about it. But if you're wondering whether you should read it, I'm not sure you should. It's paced very well. It's written very well. It's obviously researched exhaustively. She got a lot of – Amy Pascal is the author. She got a lot of access to people. But I sort of wonder who the book is for, because it both under-explains um, like certain conflicts, which I think the audience for the book is really interested in, like on the set of Buffy, or when Charisma Carpenter was let go from Angel, or what have you. Um, and then it over-explains certain references. Like I, I think that you don't need like a full sentence explaining what breaking a story means <laughs> for people who would be picking up this book. Um, again, it's well-written. And I don't think she needs to gin up like conflict or criticism where none exists, but it is a little bit, um, there is this tendency sometimes to, um, not hagiographize, but, (laughs) um, to, to give this like hero's journey to Joss Whedon and act kind of like his, um, early struggles with Buffy the movie and stuff like that, or, you know, he wasn't blacklisted in the (laughs) fifties. The movie didn't quite come out the way he wanted and he was still pretty young and I think things went pretty well for him and it just I'm just not sure who it's for um right. because it's like here's a list of ways in which Joss is great and there's a couple of factoids in there that you might not know like I was not aware that he was born Joseph I'm sure everyone else knew that um in short like if you don't know a ton about 
him or about most of the franchises he's done. I think it's a worthwhile read. Again, very well written and, you know, a lot of work obviously went into it. I'm just not, like, I don't think Joss newbies would pick it up. And people who've watched all the franchises and paid attention to his career, it's kind of superfluous. So hmm. if you were thinking of buying it in hardcover, I wouldn't. Sorry. <laughs> just get somebody's um, book go password and just yes. read it for free. <laughs> Friends, I mentioned botched earlier. I know we're all pre-morning the season finale this coming Sunday. Um, but I have good news, which is that Bravo, <laughs> as Bravo does, has stepped into the breach and brought us a new show about total human garbage. And it's delightful! <laughs> the Extreme Guide. It's uh, actually just called Extreme Guide to Parenting. Oh, no the. It airs Thursday nights at the weird time of 930, considering it's an hour long. It's basically, what? look at these fucking freak parents <laughs> and then steps back and lets you judge them. What more do you want? Nothing. That's what. Yeah. The first episode was... So a horde? I, pardon me? A horde, maybe? <laughs> oh, I'm sure there'll be a hoarder at some point. Um, the fir- I think every episode follows two families. At least the first one did. And one was the two gunkles that are, I guess are known from Tori and Dean. Sarah, what's no. A, what's a gunkle? Gay uncles. They're the gay uncles oh. of Tori and Dean's kids. Gunkle? I don't like that word. I don't Thank care for, for it either. Dave. Yes. Anyway, so they've they adopted a kid, and their whole thing is like they're super dupe. They're like on her all the time. They're helicopter fathers. Um, so they were whatever. The other one was her name is Shira. She has her own line of diva mama aromatherapy sprays. Ugh. She lives on <laughs> Long Island. Wait, Christ. do they do they tell you what the, some of the scents are? Uh, no, but you can go to uh, her website because yeah, okay. she has one. Yeah, probably not going to happen. One of the first things she says is, and I'm reading this so I get it exactly right. My parenting style is eco-kosher, shamanistic, organic, natural, and for highest and best good. Need I say more? No. I can't wait for the rest of the season. I'm very excited. Please join me in watching all these fucking freaks. Because as much as I love judging everyone, and I do, there's nothing as a non-parent that I love judging more than terrible parenting. And this is a meal to sink your teeth into. Wow. Yeah, that sounds like the most tar An thing eco-kosher ever. eco-kosher meal. As, as you were doing that description, I was trying to figure out if the headphone cord was long enough for me to strangle <laughs> myself with it. She's I also gluten-free! I was making myself a necklace out of IUDs. <laughs> Sarah, you have a tiny triumph? I have, well, I have two. I think actually if you add them together, it's more like a 0.75, but here's the first one. I wrote a Suddenly Everywhere about Billy Magnuson, who was on The Divide as um, a possible suspect and was um, sort of semi-creepy Marcus on The Leftovers, not this past episode, but the previous one. Yeah, he was great in that. So I tweeted it at him and the Divide co-creator Richard Legravenis. I'm sure I mispronounced that. Sorry, Richard. Sir, um, tweeted back at me and agreed that Billy Magnuson is great, and yeah. he really is. So that was really more a tiny triumph for the Twitter, apparently ignorant Billy Magnuson, but that's okay. <laughs> Number two, and this is not really a triumph, it's like a tri- 
um, <laughs> that uh, Restaurant Startup, which is still a show that's still on, and I'm still covering it Love for the it. Um, eight people, not including host Joe Bastianich, who still care. Um, the Bonza brothers, the brothers Rudolph, uh, appeared on our forums, which I urge you all to check out, because Indeed. this does happen from time to time with the BizDev NerdFest shows that I cover, mm-hmm. uh, to announce that um, there was a lot that we didn't see on the show and blah, blah, defensive it was the editing blah, but they said that my analysis was, and I quote, on point. Ooh! Mm, nice. And now a word from the upcoming game time. Police say this scientist poisoned his own wife by spiking her coffee and even her makeup. I did not poison my wife. I have no other comments. They say he kept meticulous records. The more eyeliner she wore, the worse she felt. I don't doubt a bit that he tried to poison her to get her out of his life. Is he wrongly accused or is he Dr. Poison? <laughs> Why can't he be both? Come on. I, I'm terrified of this game time right now. I'm so excited. In this so room room me. Is now Domer. 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 <laughs> Wait, let's try that again. Let's try that again. Uh, here we go. Everyone in this room is now Domer. Domer. No. Keep going. All right, Tara. Explain to us why we are all Domer this week for having watched Under the Dome. Here's what happened on the last episode of Under the Dome since we since our last recording. There was a d- giant dust storm in the dome. How does the dome have weather? It's a dome. Uh-huh. Uh, everyone was concerned about this because if there was too much dust, it might clog, clog the porous dome, which is now porous, I guess. I don't understand how anyone hasn't suffocated Under the Dome yet. Um, in addition to that, they've uh, now that they've solved the food problem because of the hoarder. Thank God. <laughs> thank you, hoarders. Um, the diner is still operational. I don't know who is. I don't know if people are paying for their food there or what kind of system has been worked out. I assume it would be barter because why would anyone need cash? Doesn't hasn't come up at all. Um, they're clearly running stoves and coffee makers and stuff, and yet there's only candles on the table. Why? And then, in addition to that, to solve, getting back to the dust storm, to solve the problem, they needed to build a windmill and then oh, rig it up wind to... Windmill? Windmill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah windmill. Okay. And then hook a hose to it and uh-huh. then spray into the dust storm, and yep. that would dissipate all the dust. So they built <laughs> a windmill in five minutes, and they rigged it up no problem uh-huh. one minute later, and it solved the entire problem of the episode in 32 seconds. But not, not only that, they explained it as if the whole enterprise, the apparatus that they built would be like a patio mister you find, you yeah, know, in, yeah. in L.A. or something mm-hmm. like that. Yep. But really what they're doing yeah. is they're putting a fire hose next to a uh, like a farm uh, you know, windmill, right? Yeah. And windmills don't create wind. They harvest it. And uh, yeah. basically what would happen is that water would bounce off each arm of the windmill and then fall and make a big puddle at the base of the windmill. Are you an engineer in a dome? But wait, that's almost what they show with the graphics. Like the graphics that they they created for this scene don't actually show misting. Actually, it's just like water. Like it it is sort of what you would expect to happen. Therefore, that dust storm shouldn't have actually been dissipated at all. Putting aside the fact that that wouldn't work at all anyways. (laughs) 
<laughs> but assuming that somehow the magical properties of a proper mister would have solved this. Are, are you calling engineering-related shenanigans on Under the Dome, Dave? Well, furthermore... Sir, the o- I am. The only person inside the dome that is actively trying to mitigate dome life at all or fix anything or try to get them out is the, is the, the high school science teacher who has had her students before the dome came down working on a remarkable number of projects that are very, very handy for them to have practiced on before the dome came down. Anyway, then at the end of the episode, <laughs> they've fucking gotten the, the, the glowing pink egg out of the lake where Julia threw it in the season finale for no reason. The peg. They all held their hands over it and it swam up. We even got an egg's eye view of the four fucking idiot Scooby gang standing in a boat looking at it. The booby so, gang. Yeah. So they bring it back to to um, the dead girl's house, and then the pink stars fall, and then Drownsy, now known as Melanie, looks and sees like an outline that the pink stars have created of this obelisk that has been a thing since the season premiere. And then she's like, oh, that obelisk is from my hometown. Doesn't say what her hometown is. Like... <laughs> Like there's huge. Why are you waiting so long to to let out this information? This all everything has only taken place over two weeks. <laughs> Fucking advance the plot. What is wrong with the show? Well, it makes yeah, no sense. Tara, I gotta ask you. Yeah. I, I know why you're watching the show. Yep. Why is anybody else watching Apparently the show? Apparently, they're why not. Why are the I, still as good as they are for this piece of crap? But they're dropping. Like they've hugely dropped since last season, from what I've read. So I'm hoping I'm touching touching this wood table with both hands that they they get bad enough that even CBS is like, look, we can have NCIS Dubuque and it would do better than this I, shit. I'm that's what I'm praying. I feel like after you watch this show, if you didn't like Lost, you still sort of have to like give the Lost writers an apology. <laughs> you really do because like as bad as that show got. At least they had some kind of overarching idea, even if it didn't all work. Exactly. Like this, this really is just like, what about if this week there was lava? Like, if anything <laughs> could happen and it makes no sense. Uh, are we done? Yeah. Okay. Whew. Yikes. <laughs> all right. That music means it's time for the canon in which our guest submits a particular episode of a series for consideration into the extra hot great canon and making his case this week, Alan Sepinwall, what do you got for us? Well, I, I thought about, you know, you just mentioned Lost. I thought about trying to do the constant from Lost, but I figured, you know, no matter how good a case I made, that was going to be an automatic loser. So I didn't want to die on that particular hill. Instead, I'm going to discuss one of my favorite episodes of perhaps the greatest sitcom ever, Endless Slumper from season one of Cheers. We talked today about how most new sitcoms take time to hit their stride. You know, The Office and Parks and Rec, they both had bumpy first seasons. Brooklyn Nine-Nine needed about a half season to figure all its characters out. And even something like Louie was a lot better in its second year than in its first. Cheers is one of the exceptions to that idea. It has one of the best comedy pilots ever made. And though the show would become much more popular in the Kirstie Alley years, most of the longtime fans, plus a lot of the people who worked on it, would call that first season by far the best. The world, the tone, and the characters were all fully formed from the start, particularly streetwise bartender Sam Malone and pseudo-intellectual waitress Diane Chambers, whose on-again, off-again romance is still being imitated by TV comedies today. Endless Slumper is a pretty simple episode of the show. After that teaser gag where Carla interviews a prospective tutor for her kids, who, by the way, is not Cliff Clavin's mom, even though she looks exactly like her, (laughs) there's only a single story, albeit one that takes several unexpected turns. Ten episodes in the series, we know a few things about Sam Malone. One, he was a relief pitcher for the Red Sox, who tended to get into as much trouble as he got out of. 
Two, his career was ruined when he became an alcoholic, but he still owns and operates a sports bar even though he's been sober for years. And three, he will not stop trying until he gets Diane Chambers into bed. Endless Slumber continues laying the groundwork for number three while mostly focusing on one and two. It's a slow day at Cheers, and Sam shows off by doing his famous bar slide, where you can whiz a full mug of beer around a corner of the bar as if by magic. Then the bar gets a visit from Rick Walker, a high-priced new Sox relief pitcher in a prolonged slump, played by a young Christopher McDonald. You get a sense very quickly of how important the Sox are to this group, and therefore, by extension, why they idolize Sam so much. As the Cheers gang brainstorms ways for Rick to escape his slump, Diane suggests meditation, which helped her control an unflattering facial tick. While she's out of earshot, Rick Coach tells Rick that sex will cure the slump. Rick loudly declines the suggestion, which leads to a classic sitcom misunderstanding that works <laughs> mainly because of how amused Sam is to be witnessing it, and that's our first clip. Listen, now he's been in baseball for a long time. Maybe there's something to this stuff about sex. No, Sam, now I appreciate the suggestion here, but I just don't think that's the answer. Oh, wait, now wait just a minute. Don't say that it's not the answer until you try it. Excuse me. My name is Diane. I have done this for years. I'll tell you, I would be happy to teach you how to do it. Well, Diane, uh, this is very kind of you, but uh, I don't think... No, 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 please. Do me the favor of trying it with me. (laughs) Is she serious? Oh, yes. She's serious. She does it all the time. She just said so. That's right. Do you... uh, Oh, are you kidding him? He just makes jokes. (laughs) Well, well, okay, then, okay. Uh, What time's good for you? Well... Personally, I like to get at least half an hour in before breakfast. <laughs> but, um, look, any time is all right with me. Oh, yeah, I like you. <laughs> you know, there is something so beautiful about experiencing it outdoors. Uh, don't people stare at you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, sometimes, but they end up learning something. <laughs> Join in. You know, all this talk has got me so excited. What the hell? Let's do it now. So after after Diane removes herself from this awkward situation, Sam suggests that Rick try some classic baseball superstitions, like maybe a lucky charm. Eventually, Rick makes off with Sam's own charm, a bottle cap he keeps in his shirt pocket, and their fortunes instantly diverge. Rick starts pitching like a Hall of Famer, while Sam has such a prolonged streak of bad luck that the barflies start a pool about what terrible thing will happen to him next, while Norm complains, For the first time in my life, I'd rather be me than you. Coach tells Diane that the bottle cap actually had nothing to do with Sam's pitching, but he won't go any further, and as Sam keeps injuring himself, the gang encourages him to call Rick to get it back. The problem is that the Sox are playing, and the game winds up going deep into extra innings until finally everyone has gone home but Diane and an agitated, desperate Sam. When they're alone, she finally gets him to explain that the bottle cap helps keep him from drinking, and that's our second clip. All right. How about How does it keep you from drinking, just out of curiosity? It's the cap off the last bottle of beer I ever drank. The last anything I ever drank. I remember uh, holding on to that bottle cap during some pretty rough nights. I mean, I, I, I'd wake up in the morning and I'd have its imprint in my palm. I mean, it was flat because I was squeezing it so hard. 
when I was tempted to have a drink, sometimes I'd, uh, I'd look at the bottle cap and it would stop me. That's a pretty great little bottle cap, huh? You, you want to know something really crazy? Uh, the last couple of nights, I have uh, really had an urge to have a drink. Rick finally calls back from the Fenway Clubhouse and confesses that he lost the bottle cap on a road trip to Kansas City, sending Sam into a full panic. Diane can see that he's on the verge of having a drink, and that's our last clip. Come on, Sam, let's get up. Go, go home. Uh, I tell you what, even better, let's just talk, you know? Well, uh, what are you going to tell me that I haven't heard a hundred times, huh? Oh, come on, Sam. It's important that you not be here today, huh? You don't want to be in a bar. Where am I going to be tomorrow night? And the next, and the day after that, huh? I'm going to be in a bar, right? But you're going to feel better tomorrow. No. No, I'm going to feel better tonight. Okay, here's, the, here's an idea. Why don't you, uh, why don't you watch me get drunk? I, I, I'll get real sick. <laughs> Sam, no. Don't. Just don't. Sam pulls a tour, Sam pours a tall, foamy mug of beer, stares at it for what seems like forever, and then, to Diane's relief and the audience's delight, slides it around a corner of the bar before pocketing the new bottle cap as a replacement lucky charm. He apologizes, he apologizes to Diane for making her so upset, and she insists she's fine, even as, even as we can see that her facial tick is worse than ever, before we roll the end credits, a light note to end what had been a pretty dark few minutes. This isn't, my most, this isn't the most famous episode of Cheers, nor is it the funniest the show ever did, though I always laugh at a lot of it, like the clip with Diane and Rick, or Coach singing Muzak into the telephone <laughs> to make Cheers seem like a classy joint, or Norm keeping track of how long the game has been going by counting his empty beer mugs. What makes it canon-worthy, in my opinion, is that final scene, and what it represents about both Sam and about the Sam and Diane relationship, and also about how the show could take such dramatic turns when the moment called for one. The idea of a recovering alcoholic running a bar could have just been played for cheap laughs. But Cheers took it seriously, and it took its main character seriously, and it wasn't afraid to do a scene like this that's almost entirely dramatic. Sam's more than just a guy trying to get into Diane's pants at that moment. Diane is more than just a snob who enjoys fending off his advances. He's in pain, she wants to help him, and Ted Danson and Shelley Long are just dynamite in that sequence. And it built to this payoff that was so surprising and such a relief the first time I saw it uh, when he explains about the new bottle cap. And then funny when we get one final payoff to the gag about Diane's facial tick. So I open it up to you. Is Endless Slumper canon worthy or should I just force you to watch Desmond try to get Penny's phone number for an hour? (laughs) (laughs) Sarah, you should start. Um, uh, This is like this is like the egg of sitcoms like it's perfectly (laughs) formed like you almost can't see how it's done because it's like this perfect shape it's total control of the tone um i'm i'm not a big cheers watcher but like whenever it's on i'm happy to watch it shout out to uh my man chris stang who like made a ritual of watching it in our eating club basement like every day (laughs) for hours on end he could probably act out all the parts with popsicle sticks i hope he's listening um and that was always a that was always a good time because even um even non-Shelly long years, which I'm less fond of, um, are great. But this is like, I think you're absolutely right. It is the rare sitcom that is operating at the top of its powers this quickly. Um, I had already laughed out loud like 10 times in the first five minutes. 
like when Norm comes in and they're like, what's the story? And he's like, thirsty guy walks into a bar. You finish it. <laughs> like, there's something like that with him, at least one thing, like in every episode. And I love just his little bits and how everyone on screen is having a fantastic time. Like a little bit of it is breaking character, like breaking the fourth wall. But it's like everyone's just really enjoying working with this writing. And um, I thought the bit at the end, like... Like I said, that is really control of the tone. Here's my one quibble with this episode, and it's not really with this episode, it's with the Ted Danson. What, could someone teach this guy to pour a fucking beer? I did the same thing! Like five <laughs> inches. That was Tip crazy! You're like, you're like foam. It. Yeah, um, I, I know that. But yeah, that that's, too. The only, that's the only thing I don't that I can drink, really and even I know that's not how Same you Same here. Yeah, that it's like, what is that? I mean, we know it's cream soda because, doy, it's TV, but like, come on, guys. Like, tip, tip the glass. It's not that hard. This always used to drive my dad nuts about this show, too. <laughs> um, yeah, so I will pass it over to Los Angeles, but uh, thank you for bringing this to us. It was really fun to watch and just sort of. I don't know. Like, as a writer, it was like, wow, that's amazing. Like, I'm not even sure how that was made. Um, yeah. Cool it was, you know, Sarah, you were talking about how you, know, you got the sense that the actors are really in, uh, enjoying working with the material. And there's a moment that really, like, sold me on a level beyond just ha- being a good episode. And it's in the first clip. If you go back and listen to it, you can hear t- Ted Danson Give this uh-huh. genuine like laugh, the, the high pitched man giggle. Yeah, <laughs> and it's so genuine, and it's something you just don't hear on TV that much. My only quibble with this episode, beyond the beer thing, is how quickly it ended. It seemed very abrupt. Yeah, this is a twenty four minute uh, episode, uh, so they had even had a little bit longer than we're used to these days. Um, but the ending seemed very. Uh, sudden, like uh, there was supposed to be one more beat, maybe they had to cut, you know. Um, and they don't play the usual music that you get as you get the producer credits there. Yeah, yeah I was okay with that. I felt like they probably had filmed another tag to go there, and they were mm-hmm. like, this is obligatory, and it feels like it, so they cut it. I mean, yeah. I think if there had been more, it might have also felt a little off, but I see what you're saying. Um, but overall, I really like this episode, and you're right. I mean, I know uh, one of our past guests, Stephen Falk, who is now uh, has a TV show himself, You're the Worst, uh, really wanted to put um, Cheers in the canon. Cheers is a, a, a writer's show. Like, everybody yeah. who writes on TV <clears throat> references Cheers as the go-to sitcom, and, and for good reason. I think this episode shows that, Tar. Well, speaking of it being a writer's sitcom, I just want to mention that this episode was the first of a few that were written by Sam Simon, who went on to co-create The Simpsons. And if you haven't listened to his WTF episode, I give WTF a lot of shit on Twitter, but his is amazing. Right now, he is probably about to die pretty soon of cancer, and um, he's gone on to be like a complete badass. Like he He gives a huge amount of his considerable Simpsons money to vegan causes and he's great I can't I can't improve on the episode just fast forward through the Mark Maron parts because he's awesome um but anyway I can't I I can't improve on anything anyone else said that it's amazing that this is only the 10th episode of the of the season of the series because the chemistry among the cast is so strong and sharp and fun to watch. And it's just clearly firing on all cylinders. The, mo- the moment that Dave mentioned is, is a great example of like how much pleasure you can see them taking mm-hmm. each other. Even though I thought Diane was kind of a drip um, in general, and I'm the weirdo that liked the Rebecca years better. I thought she was good in this episode and I liked how it ended with them 
having that moment of like real meaningful true friendship which was quite lovely to watch. And I would love to know how they did that bar slide because it was pretty cool. Uh, I, I know that, actually. Uh, oh, yeah? Ken oh. Levine, who was one of the original writers on the show, he didn't do this one, but he wrote a lot of the greats and he wrote all the bar wars. He has this great blog called By Ken Levine, uh, and he explained this once. They had, like, a piece of filament attached to I, the I mug. I thought so. And someone was hiding under the bar, pulling it around, and <laughs> yes. Well, I have to reconsider my vote now, knowing that that's not the way it actually happened. <laughs> I thought he might be real magic. The the other, just just to put a button on it, um, let's not forget about the legacy that this show, like, you wouldn't have a show like News Radio, which is one of my favorite workplace comedies, without Cheers. I mean, you can you can connect the, you know, the lineage is obvious. Yeah. And so much of what came um, out of TV uh, post-Cheers owes a, a big debt to this show. Uh, shall we put this to a vote? Sure. All right, yes. Sarah, what do you say? Unqualified, yes. Tara. Yay. And let's make it three for three. Yay. Good job, buddy. <laughs> Cheers. Season one, episode 10, Endless Slumper. You are hereby inducted into the extra hot great cannon. And now a word from the upcoming <laughs> game time. God. By day, they wear suits and ties, but at night, it's Wranglers and 10-gallon hats. It's having the right attitude. They're cowboys with an attitude. There's nothing like a guy with a great butt and a pair of Wrangler jeans. <laughs> no one can deny that. Yup. It's time for winner and loser of the week. Tara, you have our winner. Yeah, winner of the week is James Corden. When I originally put him in the dock of several days ago, it was just that he, because he was being rumored to possibly take over the Late Late Show for Craig Ferguson, now it is apparently confirmed he will be the new host of that show, um, which is kind of, I mean, he's like our generation's, or this generation's Conan O'Brien in that no one knows who he is. He has a series on Hulu called The Wrong Mans, and he's done like some very Britishy British plays that were on Broadway. <laughs> And uh, very, well, sorry, what was that? Very Britishy, very Britishy British plays. Yeah. Yep. The, the title has governors in it. Yes. Oh, okay. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Good luck. I don't. It's hard to care at this point. Like, how many late night shows do we honestly need? Seriously. And now Netflix is going to get into the game with the with Chelsea, Chelsea Handler. Handler. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good luck to everybody involved in that one. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, Sarah, loser of the week is loser of the week is Victoria Jackson, who lost some sort of. Tennessee local council something by oh, a few no. hundred votes. Granted, there were only like 1,800 votes cast, but she lost mm. fucking Obama. <laughs> My mother wants to know what time it is. It's game time. <laughs> wow. Sneaky. All right, everybody, this is the ninth, the ninth game time of the season. Just a reminder that the season ends when somebody reaches five points, and that mm. could happen today because Tara is currently at that threshold with four points. <clears throat> Value guess close behind with three points, while Sarah has one point. Yay! You and I are the only things standing uh, in the way of you're the best, Sarah. That's right. So we heard some hard copy clips. Anybody want to hazard a guess on what we're doing today? Does it have anything to do with God? Hard copy? Free Jones? 
No. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's uh, just for you, Dave. Today, we are following up our totally rad 80s theme song quiz with the decade that brought us hard copy, the 90s, the most extreme 90s TV theme song quiz. Oh, oh nice. My God. Are we ready? The rules are simple. I will play you a snippet of a theme from a TV show from the 90s, although a few started in 89, but they're mostly associated with the 90s. And you're going to tell me the show. So that is easier for everybody at home to play along. Please do not answer till I am done playing the clip. Okay. If it is your turn, however, and you want to sing along, please do. <laughs> Who knows what that could get you at the end. Oh. All right. And now we're going to throw it to the uh, person in control, choosing initiative, better known around these parts as Picky 3000 to see who's going to go first. We will start with valued guest. All right. Oh. So that means Alan goes first, and then we'll throw it to Sarah, since you guys are in the same room, and then back to Tara. Are we ready to play Most Extreme 90s TV Theme Song Quiz? Yes. Here Let's we, do this yes. thing. Here we go, Alan. <laughs> in five, four, three, two. <laughs> What's that song? The Larry Sanders Show. Nice. Live on tape from Hollywood, The Larry Sanders Show. Correct. So Alan opens up the score with uno point. Congratulations. All right. Are you ready, Sarah? Sort of. You're all getting the softball for your first couple, so don't get too cocky. (laughs) Oh. Thanks, bro. Felicity. All right, so you already answered, but once more for the record. Felicity. Correct. All right, Tara, are you ready for your first one? Yep. Shut up, Julie. (laughs) (laughs) Anticipated it. How embarrassing. Tara, what do you think? It's cops. Good for one point. I six. really wish there were a video feed because uh, the Jersey contingent was oh, yeah. chair bugging. Oh, so was everyone. Was chair over here. I don't think it's possible to not chair boogie when that song comes on. Alan, here's your second theme. Okay. Oh, picky. <laughs> Any idea what that theme from the 90s is? Uh, I believe that would be Beverly Hills 90210. Correct. (laughs) Congratulations. You now have two points. Sarah, here's your second question. (laughs) Some people stand in the darkness. Sarah, don't be afraid to stand into the light. Tell us what show that is. Uh, I'm really going to be mad at myself, but I don't actually know what this is, so Uh-oh. I'm going to guess the heights. Oh. Totally hmm. Alan? Baywatch. What Baywatch. the heck? <laughs> uh, well, he, was he singing? I think no. he no. only sang the end credits. No, this was, I think, the second theme when they moved to syndication. NBC had a different terrible theme. 
he says authoritatively. <laughs> All right. Sorry, so everyone. We've broken the tie. Tara. Yeah. Here you go. The moon float like a balloon. You see, it's never too late and it's never too soon. Take it from me, it's I to be. Finish that lyric. Uh, in living color? In living color. Yeah. That one I knew. Why? Safe to walk down the street. I'm going to be singing way too much of this. In living color. <laughs> All right. I saw Marlon Wayans at the gym today. Obviously, it was a lucky charm. All right. Things are going to get a little trickier, a little more random from this part out. So here you go, Alan. Here's your part. What's that show? I have no idea. I'm going to guess. Let me think here. It sounds like some kind of CBS procedural. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, let's say. I would have said sitcom about black ladies, but I also don't know. All right. I'm just going to go Hat Squad. I know it's not the Hat <laughs> Squad, but why not? <laughs> that is Nash Bridges. Oh. oh. We were both way off. Thunk it. Oh, no, you weren't. CBS procedure. Uh-huh, yeah. Yep. Um, do you remember, Tara, that time yes, we were I at Prepica yes. in Marina Del Rey? Yes, and, and I'm and sure this is the 17th time you've told the story on the podcast. Excuse me. Just All right, saying. Sarah, here's yours. <laughs> I guess we won't be hearing that story next. Go Bridget ahead. <laughs> Any idea what that one is? Nope. Anybody? Parker Lewis? Parker Lewis can't lose. Wow. This is a great answer. Sorry, friends. I used to like that show. And now he, uh, the Coob is on, um, he the was bridge. on that. Now he's on the, the bridge. bridge. Yeah. All right, Tara, here you go. Yep. What is that rousing theme for, Tara? Oh, my God. Well, I initially was going to say it's something Aaron Spelling had a hand in, but I'm going to say, like, Voyager? Incorrect. Anyone? But you're on the right track. Oh. Was it Deep Space Nine? Closer, but not correct. Babylon 5? No, you're all on the right track. It definitely was inspired by the Star Trek Babylon success. That is NBC's answer, Sequest DSV. Oh, sure. All right, this is my favorite theme uh, on face value. Uh, I hadn't heard it before, and uh, it's kind of great, even though the show may not be. Who's to say? Here you go, Alan. Any idea what that one is? Are you sure you didn't just slip in a snippet of the score from Honor Majesty's Secret (laughs) Service? Uh, Any idea? Briscoe County. Oh. 
it was the it was an answer to The Simpsons. It oh, took, was it dinosaurs? It's dinosaurs, correct. I yeah. was gonna say there's like weird jungle drums, mm-hmm. but that doesn't. I would have guessed at George all. of the Jungle. Yeah, yeah, yeah it had, that definitely Babies. had that vibe to it. Mm-hmm. All right, Sarah, wow. here you go. Okay. What's that theme, Sarah? <laughs> wow, soaring strings. Um, I'm not sure, but I'm going to guess Touched by an Angel. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I like that guess. That was a good guess. Uh, let's see. I have um, no idea. This show featured a medical professional. Oh, that's funny because I was going to say. not the usual kind. This feels like something where people ride horses, I almost said. Uh-huh. Is it Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman? It is. Mm. It is oh. Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Right. Tara. Yeah. Little House MD on the Prairie. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tara. Guesses. Is this Voyager? Damn. Incorrect. Anybody? That was a legit guess. Lois and Clark? No, that is also a good guess. Uh, This uh, show uh, shares part of a title with a very recently released movie starring an ex-wrestler named The Rock. Glue? This is Hercules, the legendary something or other. Journeys? I believe. Yes. Yes. All right. Apparently not legendary enough. <laughs> Here you go, Alan. Here's your next one. Complete that lyric for Barf. the song title. Step by step. Oh, picky. That was for Sarah. Seventh heaven was the correct answer. That wasn't for anyone. (laughs) Here is Sarah's. Oh my god. This one's for my sister in law. <laughs> this uh, featuring uh, f- f- floracy. Uh, <laughs> what, is, what is this uh, theme for, Sarah? What? Nothing. Charmed. Yeah. Nice. Not, right? This is a Smith song, right? Yeah. 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 But I also see. thought this was in the craft, if the, which if it was true, this is very shameless of Charmed to use it. One point, yes. That is the Smith song, uh, but that's not Morrissey singing no. that particular version. Correct. All right, Tara, here we go. Okay. Last one before the first score break. Okay. Are you? All right, Tara. Uh, I will give you the additional clue that I have removed a large preamble from this theme. 
large preamble's missing from this. But what's the show? Um. Any guesses? Players. <laughs> nope. Uh, if you saw the movie, you would have realized that the movie version and the TV version of this share that theme. Which is? Highlander? Highlander. Oh! Yeah. I saw wow. the movie. Well, you didn't see it enough. I guess I didn't, didn't see it enough. You didn't watch enough with your eyeballs. Well, and guess your what, ears. guys? It's very exciting because we have a three way tie. Nice! At what? We each have two points. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, we're going to ease into some easier ones now. Oh, that'll be nice. So uh, we're going to you know, get some highs and some lows. Sure. I don't want to get too frustrated or complacent. <laughs> Here you go, Alan. Here's your next one. Ah. <sighs> God damn it. I hear singing. Finish that lyric for the answer. To jump down on Jump Street. <laughs> 21 Jump Street to be precise. The great Holly Robinson Pete. Oh. Well done. Excellent, excellent. So that gives Alan another point, and we're on to Sarah. Here you go. From the 90s, another rousing score from the 90s. Um, I will give you an additional hint. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you've answered incorrectly, but I will give you an additional hint. Already mentioned in game time as an incorrect answer. But not Voyager. Not Voyager. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Anybody? Is that Lois and Clark? Nope. This is is the Adventures of Briscoe County (laughs) Jr. That guy. <laughs> hey, how about that Evil Dead series with uh, yeah, with Bruce Campbell? Mm-hmm. Hail to the King, baby! All right, Tara. Yeah. One of the all-time best. I see reflections yeah, of you and me. Reflections of the way life used to be. <laughs> Reflections of the love you took from me. All right, Tara, I think you might know this. What's the show? China Beach. That's good for one point. Well done. And good singing. Thank you. This is the kind of car mine. singing you could enjoy if you were standing on Beverly Boulevard earlier today. <laughs> All right, Alan, here's your next one. Okay. <laughs> good one. <laughs> I was waiting for this one. So 90s. Painfully 90s. I'm I'm typing away in my journal as I'm listening to this. (laughs) All right. What's that show? Doogie Howser, MD. Correct, sir. Very correct. Whoops. Oh, let's hear it again. All right. It's, It's not good enough to hear it twice. No, it's not. Sarah. Yes. Wow. Forgot how bad it is. It is bad. 
Ellen is acting this out. Was that show called Sarah? It's called ER. 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 That's the end. All right, we're going to have to listen to this one all the way through, I'm afraid, Tara. <laughs> oh, okay. So no answers until it ends. Oh. Here we go. Okay. In the eyes of a ranger. <laughs> well, that's not fair. <laughs> no, it's really not. There should be some sort of fact against this. Obviously, upon you. Was this really the theme? This is the first time I've ever heard it, but it's obvious what it is. That's where the Rangers gonna be. Jesus. I feel a little bad. Sad. I would have known it even if Dave had bleeped out all of the. Anyway, it's Walker Tesco's Ranger. <laughs> oh, no, no, we're not going to hear that one again. <laughs> the most lucrative thing Paul Haggis has ever done was create I'm Walker sure Tesco's Ranger. That's true. Okay, Alan. Here mm-hmm. you go. Picky. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Sarah. Are you? A little bit. That's, that's, no, that's not on my desk right now. But. All right, I think everybody knows this one. Yep. Alan, what's that show? You don't need to be brain crack out to know that this is my so-called life. <laughs> Correct for one point. All right, Sarah, here yep. you go. Thanks, Becky. Another one of the all-time best. What's that show, Sarah? That's Freaks and Geeks. Fuck yeah. I suspect I know what the next song is going to be. Let's see. <laughs> you are probably incorrect, but it is a tough one. Tara. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bring you love. <laughs> Scan. <laughs> All right. What's that show, Tar? Government denies knowledge. The X Files. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alan. Uh, here is your last question before the next score break. What's that show? I don't know. And this is, yeah, this yeah, I figured that was going to get a sort of gasp from you. I'm sure it's some sort of animated classic. I don't know. No. <laughs> um, Sarah, do you know? Nope. I know Tara knows, and yes. that show is Mr. Show. Uh, you don't get a point for that. I got a point for that. <laughs> Sarah. Dude, gave himself a yes. point. Wow. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah! Shirtless Grancho opened the fridge. Yeah, boy. <laughs> Melrose Blatz. <laughs> wow, this is so 90s. I can't believe it. Gazio. Melrose Place for the point. Mm-hmm. And bringing us into our uh, second score break for Tara. Here you go. Am I supposed to be singing along? Yeah, yeah, it's single lyrics. <laughs> it does have lyrics, but I won't oh, does sing it. it. Oh, yeah, well, does. there's a version of the song that Julie Cruz sang. Okay, wait, all right. 
Northwest. <laughs> Forest. I wish I'd worn my saddle shoes today. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Tara, what's that show? Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks is Just correct. Just added this to King of the Mountain, actually, this very song. Mm. Uh, All right. On behalf of John Ramos. Uh, sorry. Uh, that's, next, that's tomorrow's King of the Mountain? Uh, could be. Oh, okay. All right. Looking forward to that. All right. Let's hear them score, Star. As we listen Still to... Still extremely tight. Scores. Yes. Alan and Sarah have five points each. I have six. Oh, okay. So here we go. Uh, I think you all have five questions left. So definitely anybody's game. Here we go. Back to Alan. Here is your theme. Another rousing 90s show theme. I think there might be some audio clues in that. Uh, what do you think, Alan? Uh, God, it's not the Lois and Clark theme. <laughs> that was what it's, I was thinking. <laughs> I, all right, it feels like it's some sort of CBS sitcom that I'm going to be mad at myself for not knowing. I'm just going to say Lois and Clark for the hell of it until I finally get it. <laughs> That is incorrect, he said, as he was wasting time so he could uh, move over his dings and ants. That was the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Oh, yeah, sure. there was a, kind of a Raiders theme cue there that uh, mm-hmm. switches into something a little more kid-like. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Sarah, yep. here you go. 90s. What do you think, Sarah? Any ideas? Um, I'm pretty sure that's neither Voyager nor Babylon 5, <laughs> but I don't really know what it is, so Misfits of Science? Hmm. 80s. Oh, um, is it American Gladiator? It is American Gladiator. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. Tara watches different things. So I didn't watch it. That was a, that was a pure guess. It did have kind of a Roman kind of horny. It just kind of it sounded sort of like enough like NBA on NBC that I thought maybe it's something sports. Round ball wow. rock. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Weird. I don't know. <laughs> it kind of just goes on like that for a while I was going to say do something um, <laughs> It just did again What the fuck was on in the 90s <laughs> I have no idea Okay I get it What is it <laughs> Stop vamping Tears of rage Tara Tears of rage Oh is it America's Most Wanted Correct. Oh, wow. That's most wanted. All right, that Alan. That is one vampy theme song. Back to Alan. Okay. Here you go. Everybody wants to live and I want to live and everybody wants to live. And dance in a fountain. <laughs> I know Sarah knows this. Do you know it, Alan? Closer to free. Such an upbeat song for such a depressing show. Party of Five. Nice. Party of Five is correct. Alan gets another point. Sarah, are you ready for your next one? Probably. All right. Listen carefully. Clues in this one. <laughs> 
Complete that for the Can't. answer. D- don't know. Sorry, oh. Voyager. <laughs> Close. Hold is in outer space. <laughs> Speaking of Marlon Wayans. Mm. Homeboys in outer space. Did not know that was a show. Yeah, now you do. That was, I think that was like, what was the CW before CW? Yeah, UPN. UPN. Yeah. I think it was UPN. Yeah, it was a UPN yeah. show. All right, Tara, here you go. Yep. This is my favorite show. Oh, God. 90s. So is, 90s. Is, what is this it? the Tom Green show? Yes. Oh, fuck that one up. Yes, it is the Tom Green show. Mm. Remember Tom Green? Yeah. Canada's contribution nope. to pop culture? He was on a podcast I listened to lately, and he was terrible. You ready, Alan? Still. Yep. <laughs> the Eddie Van Halen story? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Wow. <laughs> mm, oh, All right. Story well, Sarah's favorite Felicity actress. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she was a pink ranger, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pink because she's a girl. Ah, do you recognize that voice? Oh, is it me? Um, I recognize the voice. I don't know who that is. I don't know the show. Voyager. (laughs) Incorrect. It's not Voyager. Anybody? Is is it Dave's World or something like that? No, it's not. Randy Newman, but I don't know the show. Yeah. Ah. No, I knew it was Monk Jr.? No, it's (laughs) it's an infamous show. Uh, It's a uh, police show. Oh, so then it's not The Secret Diary of Desmond Pfeffer. No. Um, Cop Rock? Cop Rock. Oh! Was yeah. it really? Randy, wow. Randy Newman. Damn. Uh, Under the Gun is the name of that. Oh, my tune. God. That's right. Oh, Tara, boo. ready? Yeah. <gasps> oh my God. Uh, a 90s show that sounds like it's right out of 1975. I the worst is that I know I have watched this show. You have watched this show. This been on a different um, theme song quiz we've had a long time ago. Any idea? Boston Common. I know this is not right. Um, I don't know. Uh, beware cats for this show. Thank you, Mister Akmonic. Oh, Alf. Alf. Yeah, that's the theme to Alf. <laughs> wow. Isn't that so weird? Yes. Jesus. 
Alan, you ready for yours? It feels like it should be like sure. Shoreline in the City or something. <clears throat> well, Alan, I'm pretty sure you've watched this show. Dave, thank you for putting the bullet out there. That yep. is Homicide Life on the Street. <laughs> that is correct. That nice. Is correct. All right, Sarah, ready for yours? Yep. (laughs) What do you think, Sarah? (laughs) F Troop, the next generation? Close. Tara, you know it? Is it Major Dad? It is Major Dad. Oh, God, I forgot that even existed. And, um, Sarah, you don't have to curse to the skies for Sarah, when you hear uh, Tara's uh, answer, but uh, we, we all know that you do. What's that one, Tara? <laughs> um, I know I've watched it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. it might be on in my office right now on mute. And it is. Am I supposed to wait until you've played oh, no, the whole please. thing? Oh, no, please. Oh, it's Law and Order. It is Law and Order, original Ray's version. Correct. All right. Here is everybody's last question. Let's just right. get a score break, see where we think we lie. Okay. I think I'm one behind. You are correct. Sarah has five. Alan has seven. I have eight. All right. Are you ready, Alan? Okay. This is the game here. Ah. <laughs> 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 Thank you, Picky. Yeah, and uh, already mentioned on this episode of the show. What is it, Alan? That would be news radio. Yeah, it would. Correct. All right, so we now have a tie. We have a tie as it stands right now. Sarah, are you ready for your last question? Sure. Ah. Moosey, 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 moose, moose. It's the moose. <laughs> that doesn't have... Oh, oh wait, the shopping. Oh, there's Holling. <laughs> Northern exposure. Moosing around the town. <laughs> Being a moose. Moose, moose, moose. in the morning. Aw. <laughs> All right, correct. That was Northern Exposure. All right, Tara, do or die time. Way yep. worse. This for the win. What's this '90s show theme? It's another rouser of a theme. Tara, for the win. What's that show? That's Coach. That's Coach. Correct for the win. And guess what, guys? Joey Esposito. Here it comes. (laughs) For the season. You're best around. (laughs) Nothing's ever gonna keep it down. You're best around. (laughs) Nothing's ever gonna keep it down. You're best around. Nothing's ever gonna keep it down. Dave's standing desk has really opened up the possibilities for crazy dancing. Congratulations, Tara. And Congratulations, Tara. Yeah, that was a hard-fought win. Thank you very much. All right, everybody. That Voyager. is it for another episode of Is This Voyager? 
for the we new all, Benson. Fine, you take my ending tagline now, too? We oh, all no. got the knack for talking about Steven Soderbergh's new period hospital drama, The Nick. Olivia caught us up on the Ancient Aliens episode of Face Off before we went around the dial with stops at Extreme Guide to Parenting. Utlander! Dirk Gently and Joss Whedon's autobiography. Not an autobiography. Biography. Yes. Yes. Correct. <laughs> Tara reminded us why we are all domer for watching Under the Dome. Yep. Alan raised the bar for canon submissions with his successful pitch for the first season's Cheers episode, Endless Slumper. Uh, let's see. We crowned winners and losers of the week, and Tara was a winner of this week's <laughs> game. What's so funny? I don't know. <laughs> this week's game time and the season. Remember. We're listening. I am David T. Cole. On behalf of Tara Ariano. I'm just going to have a baby. What could go wrong? Sarah D. Voyager Bunting. <laughs> it actually is my hometown. <laughs> and Alan Seppenwall. Fine. Just inject it into my penis. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time right here on Extra Hot Great. For kids. <laughs> it seems. It seems we are still lacking. I hope, if nothing else, this has been instructive for you all. Ha, 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 ha.